Hello, fellow friends, family degenerates, and welcome to another edition of Caged Wisdom MMA. My name is Josh, and I am your host. I also have Buck Schlurf, MMA nerd, my co-host, on the call as well. Give a quick hi, Buck. Hi, everybody, and sorry in advance, Canada. <laughs> no joke. So it has been uh, a while since we've been on this podcast together. Thank God Buck took over the last one. We missed you, yeah, man. Well, thank you. It was just you, so who's we? But anyway. <laughs> uh, all of our all adoring, of adoring fans. fans. Well, anyway, yeah, so I was out of town. Um, but long story short, it's really good to be back. You know, we've got some interesting things coming down the pike. We've had some fighters that uh, have or their, their management teams reached out to us, asked us to do some interviews. So we might be doing uh, a little bit different take, uh, you know, in addition to our, you know, fight predictions and maybe interviewing some uh, some trainers, some uh, some athletes, managers, so on and so forth. So we've got some interesting things coming on down the line. So stay tuned. Obviously, I'll let everybody know up from when those things are going to be coming coming on. But, um, you know, we're here primarily, as you know, to talk about UFC 289. And, uh, you know, this is an, an interesting card. There's not, there's not a lot of depth to this card. And, you know, that's okay because there's two really good fights with Amanda Nunez uh, and, and the Charles Oliveira, Benil Darius. Um, wait, sorry, I didn't tell. Amanda Nunez is fighting Irene Aldana, right? Is that? Ald- Irene, Irene Aldana. I think it's Irene. Irene. That's that's the hardest part about doing these podcasts is there's so many names from all over the world, you know. But usually we go into before we get into the fights because we're gonna do a full breakdown, uh, who we think is gonna win, give you know what our predictions are, and if you were to to bet money, which is we're not a, a betting pod necessarily, but you know what are the, the the directions that we would move on it. So I think it'd be interesting as we go through those because there are some really really marquee fights at the top end of the card. Um, the other ones though. You know, there's guys that are on it, and we were talking about this before we got started, that have got two fights, alternating wins and losses that are going to be on the main card. So I, I don't really know what happened. And and that leads to, you know, what we were talking about a little bit beforehand, which is, you know, what is the the state of MMA right now? And I'm going to lob this over to you and just get your idea of, you know, like, what are your feelings about MMA? Where do you think it's going? Do you think it has the same level of 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 pop i don't want to say you know uh, i guess pop maybe it's, it's a decent word for it but what are your thoughts on it well so i think i think a, um part of what's happening at least for me is that um the everything is starting to be a little bit formulaic and very like rinse and repeat and just kind of like mass produced mm-hmm. um with this, uh, you know, and I think it was it was slow at the beginning, but it really started to ramp up after um, Endeavor bought the UFC um, and they're running it like a, a media company. And, um, you know, they're just they're producing a lot of samey content that you know, the, the once they started using the yeah. apex over COVID, which was great, like during covid the apex was this brand new experience it was really unique there was no crowd so everything was dead silent you could hear everything the fighter i mean that was really it was cool. a good compromise um, i felt like yeah, i didn't want it to stay though. i think yeah i but now that they've just like it's something like 60 percent of their events are held in the apex i think i read somewhere and that's just like it's just the same every time and there's 
like just this like wave after wave of these fighters that are like really new or and don't have a ton of experience and and are just kind of like getting brought in on these really inexpensive contracts to fill cards at the bottom because like you know with this ESPN deal also UFC gets paid per event um and and they don't have any obligation to like release any of their like their numbers like how many people watch each event or how many mm-hmm. pay-per-view buys it like they don't have any obligation to like disclose any of that they, they information didn't before either though. so they just yeah <clears throat> but i think it was like a like a thing that they could yeah, brag about and a thing that because they were like marketing themselves but now it's like oh we're covered i you know we, we got ours don't you know and then they're not as worried about it um you know sort of happened I think that's what it is a little different, but it happened with um, the ultimate fighter a couple of years ago where the, you know, it used to be this really fun kind of like wild and out there reality show um, where everybody was competing and there was crazy hijinks and, and yada, yada, yada. And it was, it was, it was a good time. Um, and then it became just the same episode over and over and over again. It's a 40 minute episode or whatever. And it's 15 minutes uh, or or 10 minutes of backstory on each of these fight on Mm -hmm. both fighters. You don't know them. You don't really care. You know, you're not invested yet because it's just like 10 minutes of their home video, both of them. And then they fight and it's an okay fight, you know, or it's not because they're, yeah. You know, no, I, I, I newer totally fighters. And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I, I agree with you. And I really like what you said about it being formulaic. And it makes you wonder, is the Apex Center still in existence? Because, you know, they realized through COVID that this was not only a way to keep the sport going, keep eyeballs and really give the opportunity for the UFC to grow while other sports were stunted during that time, but also a cost cutting measure. Because they're not getting in yeah, contractual a- obligations with different arenas. They're not selling tickets. And so everything's really in-house. And I think there's a way for them to still make it better and make it work. But they they need more people in the seats because their enthusiasm, you know, the spectator's enthusiasm brings in my enthusiasm. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is so true. Like when I mean, even from like your couch at home, if the crowd is roaring, you can feel Absolutely. it. Like you could there is something that you get from that, even if you're nowhere near where those or people are. Or even when it gets dead um, silent, like in the uh Kamzat Burns fight where you can hear a pin drop, but you know everyone's there, but you get that that dichotomy of the, yeah. of the loud roars and then deathly silent and you can just feel the tension. Yeah, you're, you're, you could feel the tension. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that the UFC and go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I, you're right. It's just like once they found that this like super cheap option that they could just start like they and they seat like two dozen people and then they get to charge those people an incredible amount of money or use, you know, like sweepstakes or bargaining or all these other promotions to get those people in those seats. It really just seems like yeah they they need to expand and maximize, and maximize yeah. on that if they're going to continue that formula. But you know that being said, I still think that MMA UFC it, it's alive and well, especially when we get really really strong marquee matchups. And uh, usually, I like to see a a card top to bottom have contenders in it. Every fight should have a contender. I feel like in a main card of a pay per view event. This one doesn't. 
But the next event, UFC 290, I believe most of them are. Is it going to be a good card? UFC 290 loaded. is stacked. Okay. UFC 290 is going to kill. Yeah. That I mean, but that's amazing. It is a good card. You know, but that being said, you know, if you're introducing, say each one of these pay-per-view events is an opportunity to introduce people to the sport. Right, fair weather fans bring them over. It's an event. It's um, you know not mm-hmm. kind of like the Super Bowl, but you know obviously more common. Uh, but it's it's a thing where you drop plans, you make plans well in advance uh, to be able to come to this. You bring in food, order pizza, and so I think that that these types of cards actually do a massive disservice to both you know because it mm-hmm. is the, the the face of MMA at this point, but. Neither. I, was, I didn't want to go too far into this. We're already, you know, what at nine minutes in. So let's let's just go past it. But well, so I did. I, I got one okay. last thing because there is a company that's doing it really well, and and it's this not, is not perfect. The sumo and thing, and <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm off. I'm not going down okay. sumo. I did. Uh, there is a gym in town, and I looked oh, them no. up, and I'm gonna go. <laughs> anyway, it's <laughs> on the sumo podcast it. next. Uh, it, one championship. It's not sumo, but mm. it is one championship. And they had their first um, stateside card it, last month in May. And that was a banger. It was incredible. There was so much energy. They pulled out all the stops. There's so much theatrics. And and it's not formulaic because like one a one championship card will have MMA – kickboxing muay thai and submission grappling all in the same mm-hmm. fight card and and they, they do uh shows on amazon prime are all of them on amazon prime uh, i think most of them are but then they do have like special like pay-per-view type events um like bigger yeah. events like one on on prime video this i think this one was 10 um and they're a little bit less frequent than these pay-per-views. And I think that might be like a little less frequent, a little more like pizzazz for a better word. I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one starts pulling some of these fair weather fans, like you were saying, um, away mm-hmm. from the UFC. If they keep getting cards like this one that um, I feel like know, it's like every fourth or third that's like this. I feel like we we say it more yeah. and more these days. Two years ago, no, it wasn't like this. But maybe that also is the fact that Dana White is more or less losing control of the decision making in the organization because of the ESPN ESPN dealing being bought out. I mean, that might have a maybe that's the power slap thing. Who knows? But all right, yeah. Well, well. you know, we've we've gone down enough. I, I want to start this off on a, on a good note because there is a lot of great things, and and also check out one championship. Maybe we'll even start doing some podcasts on those um, as a game more, more fan state side. Um, but UFC 289, we'll just go through the main card really quick. So it's Mark Andre Barrio, who's minus 30, 135 taking on Eric Anders, Dan, boy. <laughs> Dan 50 K Ige minus 255 is taking on Nate Landwehr. And then we've got Mike Malat. Is it Malat? That's right. Okay. So mm-hmm. Mike Malat minus 205. Uh, take on Adam Fugit, which we'll talk about that one later. And then finally, the whole reason that we're all here and probably the only reason that you guys are listening to this podcast is Charles Oliveira, who's plus 120, incredible, uh, taking on Benil Dariush, minus 140. And then finally, never to be forgotten, Amanda Nunez, minus 315, 
taking on Irene Aldana at plus 260. So let's start off with the, 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 the kickoff fight, the entry fight, which is Mark Andre Barrio taking on Eric Anders. What are your thoughts on that one? Probably going to go pretty quick for these first three, though. You know, so this one, I think, has the potential to be pretty cool. Um, is it going to be a big showcase? No. Is it going to move like the needle in the division? No. Um, uh, Marc-Andre Berrio is Canadian and Mike Malott is Canadian. So I think that's why they're getting these big yeah. showcases. But they are fun fighters. Um, they're gatekeeper, gatekeeper and, level, I would say. Well, really? yeah, Berrio, yeah. Uh, I would say. Um, Mike Malott is still pretty new. I think this is only his – this will only be his third fight in the UFC. Um, nine and one. Um, and he's pretty good, but yeah. I'll get to him in a minute. Um, what I like about Barrio is his like output, like his pressure, but it's not like a grappling pressure. Um, and I don't know if he's much of a grappler he's not, or not. No, he's primarily most of his ones are yeah. coming via via TKO or decision. Yeah. Well, his last uh, his last win against Julian Marquez yeah. was very very cool, and it was unique too because it wasn't like got him with the one shot wow like he was setting that up all night it was it was just this like intense pace that he put on marquez and even though he lost the first Mm -hmm. round um he turned it around so quick got his reads and uh, as once he found an opening he started pouring pressure on and he was doing this um, I mean, the way he used his elbows in the cage was really, really cool. Um, so many times I'll see fighters get like backed up in or you know, they'll, uh, they'll back up into the cage and then they'll, they'll do their high double forearms guard and they, you know, they think they're safe and, and kind of sometimes they are because the fighter who's got them backed up is, isn't like varying their shots. Well, they're head hunting, um, but they're still trying to use like full range punches like long extending your arms punches when they're so close um and you're kind of trying to like do too many things at once or two different things and you end up hurting your own offense um but barrio when we were watching i was watching him recently like works the body goes upstairs and like and varies his targets and he uses these really nice short range weapons too and can change his ranges really well. Like he was never attacking with an inefficient weapon, uh, which I was, which I really, really liked like spamming these like short, uh, like rising elbows in the clinch to just like continuously like jolt, um, Marquez's head back. I I mean, it's a really cool pressure, but he's, he's got a, establish that first and and drain some energy before he can start to like really pour it on and take and that's what happened with him and and marquez because marquez had a really good first round and 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 that's really Mm -hmm. the way that i see this fight going i i you know as long as doesn't get knocked out by eric anders in the first in the first you know four minutes because eric anders is is almost a, a replica maybe not quite as good as marquez but he's 36 years old. Mm-hmm. He's got really good power, good striking, like a real like monster. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. You know, he's a football player. He, where did he play at college? Do you remember? Uh, you know what? I don't remember where he played. It was a big played, school. But I will say he, he almost had – oh, you know it might have been Alabama. Was it Bama? Bama? 
No, I don't, don't yeah, let me say that. Whatever. Um, he has like a football style, which is so interesting. Like if I had to describe Eric Andrews style of martial arts, it's football. Yeah, I guess I can um, see that. It like because it, it like as somebody who comes from like a different background, you can tell when a fighter is very influenced by the background they came from. And Eric Anders is the same, just like Steven Thompson mm. or, or, you know, like Mackenzie Dern or something like who's got like this very specific background, but for what, you know, chips fair fell where they may. And now Eric Anders background is just not a combat sport, but he is still very, very athletic. You can tell he's got like this, like, um, physical and athletic intelligence about him where he learns um, the, 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 he learns like the soft skills of a sport very, very well. Um, But you can still tell that he is a football player doing like a second sport. Very, very well. I know. I I agree with you. It's kind of like Greg Hardy in a way. And and both of them have that, that, but likable. Yeah, Yeah. But likable. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but both of them have that style where they go out early looking for the win, and if they don't get it, then they pay for it dearly down the road. And that's really what I had in my notes mm-hmm. is that you know he loses most of his fights via decision. This is Eric Anders. Uh, he's he's mm-hmm. really hard hitter. He's dynamic. He's explosive, but he's got you know relatively poor cardio because he's he throws so much in those first four minutes of shots, and so mo- almost all of his losses have come via decision i think five of the uh or six of the seven or five of this or five of the seven well he is so hard to kill yeah. dude that guy was well, so um, is marquez i don't know how many know? years ago this was yeah do you remember um uh eric anders fighting fresh out of thailand khalil roundtree when khalil roundtree lost Jr. Fight, came out right? and he went yeah. Anders did, yeah. He Roundtree went full Muay Thai, like had the stance and everything, and just beat the dog shit out of Anders for three rounds. And like, I mean, superhuman mm-hmm. toughness from Eric Anders. The thing, yeah. So the the way I th- could see somebody finishing him, exactly what you just alluded to when you said so was Marquez. Marquez is also that tough. Is to be hit over and over and over again. Um, you, I mean, you can take that if you're this incredibly tough person, but to be hit over and over and over again while you're so yeah, exhausted is totally, totally different. different. And, and that's the way I think this is going. Um, on top of that, Eric Anders yeah. has never been considered a, a top tier guy, right? Um, he's 36 mm. years old, uh, good athlete, good fundamentals, but – he just doesn't have that it factor that I think is going to get him. And and we're also coming up to that 37-year-old time frame that I always talk about being where things start to fall off. So, you know, the the odds in this one, if I've got to go back and look. Uh, so it's minus 135 Barrio or Bar, yeah, Barrio uh, and Eric Anders is plus 115. So the way I see it going is exactly what we talked about. I think that Anders is going to come out strong and then uh, he's going to gas out when he's not able to fig, uh, to finish uh, Barrio, and then he's going to end up losing via decision because that's pretty much how he always loses is via decision. It's tough to kill, but he's beatable for sure in a rule set. I I think I think maybe Mark Andre could get a finish in like late second, uh, maybe third round. Okay, well, 
just from that, just from the pace. Yeah, I mean, I could see it too, but we talked about, you know, I, that that's my best bet. What your best bet is, you think your yeah. best bet's a TKO versus... I think you'd get more from well, it. Well, I know you get more for it. Uh, and I... <laughs> if you're calling your well, shot. Well, but I, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think TKO? TKO. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Cool. All right, so I guess the next fight is uh, Dan Ige versus Nate Landwehr. That's actually not a bad fight at all. I mean, they're both That's they're both be. up and coming. I mean, this 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 and the uh, um, Oliveira fight both have fight of the night written all over them. So they, yeah, you know, maybe we should have downplayed the the fir- the first part of the card so much because this is going to be a fun fight. You know, not a lot of people know a, a ton about Nate Landwehr, uh, other than the fact that he's a good striker and he's got sneaky submissions when he gets people hurt. But what are your What are your thoughts on this mm-hmm. one? Um, the other thing is that Nate Landwehr has that dog in him. Does. Uh, you so know, is Dan I, just like Barry O from Danny the last, does too. yeah, from the last fight, um, Landwehr does the same sort of thing that, um, Barry O does is put on a stupid pace, like with his striking output. Um, he's not doing like a super wrestle heavy pressure, but, um, but he likes to start brawls. He'll bait. Um, you know, big brawling reactions back. Uh, and he does like at brawling style sort of has this like connotation of being like a, like a idiot's fighting style, but it's, it's, it, it's really not. Uh, and what I'm, mean, what it is, is a, a very fast paced, um, risky fighting style. Uh, but if you're comfortable in that, like Nate Landwehr is, uh, you can, you know, bait and set traps and level change and 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 you know play and set all these you know tricks and things inside of these very short exchanges or these very short range exchanges um and landry's really that, good that's at what that. dan he, tends to excel at too yeah so and he hits hard yeah, man yeah. does he yeah so that's that's where that's gonna um that's going to be like a matter of can um, Landwehr like force uh, Ige on the back foot and make him, uh, you know, to get him off of his like good stance where he can land those like huge one punch like fight enders. Okay. So Dan Ige, you would, it was hard to believe this mm-hmm. because, you know, Nate Landwehr just doesn't have as much of a history with UFC as Dan Ige does. But Dan Ige mm-hmm. is 31 years old. Landwehr is 35 years old and the big discrepancy, I know that Landwehr is on like a big winning streak and he, I think his last few fights was what Austin Lingo, David Onama. I think it was David Onama. I think was, might've been fight of the year. Yeah. So, and then I, I don't even know how to say their guy's name is like what Ludovic Jackson, Ludovic Klein. Klein. Oh yeah. 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 So he's got those three wins on his resume. Cause I always look at the last three fights and then Ige, even though he's gone, Two and one or uh, one and two, but he took on uh, was it what's the guy's name? Darren Jackson, Denon Jackson, Damon uh, Jackson, Damon Jackson, yeah, uh, and then uh, Mosar Evloev, and then Josh Emmett. So the the amount of mm-hmm. talent between these two fighters on on who they face is dramatic. So I think that you got to factor yeah. that in. Uh, mm-hmm. If we're going to talk about because I don't want this this to take forever. If we're going to talk about how I think this fight's going to play out, I think this has definitely potential to be the fight of the night. Already mentioned that. Uh, I think the odds mm-hmm. are wrong. 
though. So the odds right now is Danny Ige's minus 255, Nate Landwehr's plus 215. If I mm. were you, okay, so we're, again, we're not a betting podcast, but, but. if I were to do this, <laughs> I'd either not do this one at all or I would take the dog. Uh-huh. I think I think that Danny Ige is going to win. But I, I, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I would not put anything on him at minus two fifty five. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I'd say I, I, Danny Gay is very, very talented, but he's not very adaptable. Like his game plan, um, or like during the fight. Yeah, like, like well, yeah, like during. The a, I think he like, yeah, he doesn't adjust super well. Like he comes out with the plan that he's got, and if it's not working for him, it kind of doesn't work for him. The rest of the fight, kind of like you Josh know, Emmett. Maybe he'll, yeah, you know, maybe he'll land like one big bomb. Um, yeah, God, but, does he hit hard though. Jesus, he sure does. You know, but so Nate Landwehr isn't like totally out of his depth no, here. No, not at uh, all. That's why I'm saying don't bet. I it. think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think Ige might be the highest ranked fighter he's fought in the UFC, but he was the champion in Russia for um, a, a he was an M1 mm-hmm. champion for a year. He defended his title like three times uh, and that was, you know, uh, well, but we, we, we just got to kind of kind of got to go promotion. with the information that we're given, right? Yeah, we don't have as much I, depth and history on Nate Landwehr as we do Dan Ige and Dan Ige. You know, mm-hmm. two years ago, looked like he could be a, a title contender. You know, yeah. And then he went on this mm-hmm. terrible run, which no one really saw. But then you look at who he's fighting, and you see these are you know up and comers or Chan Sung Jung, Josh uh, Josh Emmett just fought yeah. for a belt. Mozart Evloyev's gonna fight yeah, for a belt, definitely. Yeah. And then Darren Jackson, which I don't know, I don't remember a whole lot about him, but um, damn it, he's the the one featherweight that's like six foot two. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's right. That's right. Yeah, he's he looks like an alien. No offense, Damon. <laughs> so, Jackson. what what are your thoughts like from a um, like how do you think this fight is going to go? Who do you think is going to win? Um, I'd love to see Nate Landwehr win it. Um, because I think if Nate Landwehr wins, it is a more exciting fight than a fight that um, Ige you know stuffs him and kind of keeps him like. Uh, keeps him from building his momentum and and keeps him yeah. like stuttering and not. Yeah, Ige's kind of hit his apex. A- I feel like. Yeah, but he's good. Yeah, I I think. Good. I I think if Landwehr can get going quick enough and keep Ige on the back foot and put that striking pressure on in a way that stops Ige from being able to land those huge shots. Um, cause I don't know if he's ever landed any of those going backwards. Um, I think I could see Landwehr winning this by, um, decision. decision. It has to be a decision, but a, a fu- <laughs> it's a decision, but I think a fun one still. Okay. So you think Landwehr is by decision? I, I think, hmm. mm-hmm. I guess I have to throw something out here. I'm going to say Ige by decision. Okay. Well, that's yeah. what we're going to do. It is what it is. All right, next fight, Mike Mallet, Malot, Mallet, Mike Malot, proper yeah. Mike Malot uh, is taking on Adam Fugit. Fugit, Mike, age thirty-one, Fugit thirty-four. This is an interesting fight to have in the third position of the pay-per-view. Yeah, and, and why is it? We talked about it before. 
uh, Fuga is well, he's from Eugene, which is awesome because we're 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 based in, in Portland, Oregon. But the guy is uh, one and one in the UFC. I think he did he. Uh, no, it was Mike that came off the Contender Series, but Fugit's mm-hmm. one and one the UFC, alternating wins and losses. So he's a five hundred fighter with two fights, <laughs> and he's in the third position of UFC two eighty nine. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, and I think he's in there. Uh, uh, clearly, the UFC wants Malat to get a huge win in front of his. Well, he was pressing for this one. Home, a lot. he was he was pressuring yeah. Dana. Well, White and this. then I I just said home. I just said home crowd. Mike Malott's from Ontario, um, which is hundreds and hundreds of miles away from Vancouver, but he is still Canadian. So I guess (laughs) Vancouver will have to take what it can get. But I still think uh, that is if Mike Malott gets another like finish like he's been getting because he's been putting dudes away in the Mm -hmm. first round Um, and with a lot of flair too, like uh, uh, the Mickey Gall short left hook against Mickey Gall face planted him. I mean, that was fun. Um, if he keeps getting, if, if he gets another finish like that, Canadian guy, very proudly Canadian reps that, you know, reps that as part of his identity, um, is very based in his community. I think that might like really like make the energy in that arena for that night. Um, and especially, you know, when you and I were just talking about how, like how important that energy is of a mm-hmm. big crowd, he is a guy that gets that kind of crowd behind him really well. Um, is he the biggest trash talker in the world? No, but I don't think that's really his like persona to, you know, kind of lean into, uh, the WWE of it, of it all. Um, but I think that it's, it's getting this showcase spot because, he has the power to like really make this a feel good night. If he gets another good win. Yeah. Like that. And on top of that, fun fact, don't know if you knew this, but he's only yeah. been uh, out of the first round in one fight, which was back in 2015. Hey, that's another that's, good. That's reason, a good stat. That's pretty freaking cool. That, that's a really good stat. And that, so there's questions, you know, from what I was, I was reading on, you know, what, what is his cardio going to be like if he takes on a really good wrestler that gets him down, he's got to go to round two and round three. We just, we just mm-hmm. don't know yet. And I think that's where Adam Fugit comes in, right? Here's a, a relatively unproven talent, uh, you know, at the, at the apex level at the, at the UFC, mm-hmm. he's 34, doesn't have a lot of brand name recognition. So it makes you wonder, is this a guy that the UFC knows that that might compete? Or is this someone that they're bringing in to test him uh, with a skill set that might limit him in his uh, his strengths, which is obviously knocking people silly? I think it's the first. That's I think a good it's the point. First. That's a really good point. I think this is a showcase piece. Well, uh, yeah. I – yeah. So I think – I think it's really hard to have a good showcase against a, a, a guy like Fugit because he's such like a grinding mm-hmm. wrestler who's like in your face the whole time and on you. If it can be done, if, you know, if Malat keeps him off and and f- makes this a stand up exchange and, and makes the whole fight, the you know, on the feet or even um if Malat can initiate those ground exchanges, I think he'd do pretty well because he is um really good at jujitsu. Um, he's got a couple of submissions, quite a few, but, um, yeah, like if it would, it would really work against 
all this hype that they're trying to build, you know, as much as it would save the card or like really boost the card to have Malat get this really cool mm-hmm. win to have a guy like Adam Fugit who could totally just smother Malat for three rounds that would tank the energy in that yeah. place. I don't think it's going to um, happen. That is, that's, uh, yeah. What are the odds? Uh, of, what are the odds? Yeah, on this you know, one? Uh, so it's minus two hundred five for Malat and plus one seven five for Fugit. See, that's pretty close. It is. I mean, it's so I, I have it. You know, my feelings on this is that Malat is going to take this in under three. So he's going to come in and he's going to finish uh, Fugit under three under minutes three or under three, under three rounds. rounds. So he's oh, not, okay. it's not going to go the distance. I think it's going to be a TKO or submission, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's definitely going to to end early. I, I just I just don't see the <clears throat> the resume from Fugit. I also know that you know mm-hmm. Eugene's got some some great talent down there, but we're not talking about uh, not an MMA yeah, it's not bed. AKA, it's not, yeah, it's not ATT. You know, there's good talent down there, but when we're talking, that's one of the things we look at. You know, where are these guys coming from? The, and, and who mm-hmm. are their training partners on a regular basis? And if you're not training against the, you know, the best, obviously you're going to have a limited upside when it comes to how you're going to perform in the UFC with guys that are able to train against the best. That being said, I don't know who, uh, whom Mallet, uh, trains with. Um, so, yeah. Jasmine Jazz Davisius, who's also on this card. Yeah, but no, but, but, what's but the I gym? don't know if that <laughs> it's not Tristar. Is it Tristar? Uh, no, that's not he. No, he Montreal. trains out of. Oh, well, actually, Malat trained out a team oh, alpha male okay. for a while. Um, he doesn't anymore, I think. But I think at one point they said um, when he was making his debut, I think it was yeah, whoever was announcing was saying like he has been in the UFC, uh, you know, almost a d- two dozen times already, but just as a corner and never yeah, as a fighter. Um, yeah, they sa- he said he's cornered something like 20 fights for team alpha male fighters in the UFC. Uh, bef- and I think he was um, a striking coach for them after Dwayne Ludwig. Um, so that exactly what you were just saying, like who you train with and who you surround yourself yeah. with has a ton team of influence alpha male good, good and camp. really good camp down there. That's yeah. pretty good camp. Yeah. A lot of respect for those guys. Usually a lot of smaller guys come out of there, but. Yeah, um, he is. I think he is one of the bigger guys to be in that. Because he's a welterweight, um, right? But yeah, yep. he is. But it was something that they're very good at is um, that guillotine mm. as a takedown mm-hmm. counter. Um, Team Alpha Male loves their guillotine. And if he's putting the pressure on Fugit early and makes makes him take a panic shot that isn't maybe from a good angle or is telegraphed a little bit too much or, you know, isn't, you know, isn't minding his P's and Q's while he tries to go for the hips. I think Malat could totally catch him on a, no, I catch him on a lazy takedown. Really good point. I just think that, uh, Malat's got a greater opportunity to win here. He's got more tools to do it. He's not going to be reliant. He's not going to be reliant. And I don't know if Adam Fuga is good enough you know, he's not like a Khabib where he, like it's a game changing ground game where he can take you down from four feet to yeah. five feet away. Uh, I don't think he has that. So we'll see how it goes. But I'm taking Malat in in under three. Yeah, okay. I think that's a good move. All right. So you're on board with that. All right. So the next fight, mm-hmm. which, again, we're all here for because this is a fight that's that should have been done a while back. 
which is Charles Oliveira versus Benil Dariush. And Oliveira, uh, which is very surprising to me, is plus 120 and Dariush is minus 140 right now. Um, I think that's, I'm not quite so surprised. Really? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think Dariush could be, uh, you could, you could play Oliveira's last fight, um, and use, um, modern AI technology and sub Benil Dariush in for Islam Mahashev and Dariush could get the exact same finish, like the exact same setup the the big booming overhand left um while Charles is literally leaping forward with a flying knee that he didn't set up beforehand um you know catch him clean and and what Charles relies on um a lot in in his last three or in all three of his wins um in title fights he got knocked down and was able to buy time because of his threat on the ground um Dustin didn't pursue him. Gaethje didn't pursue him. Even Chandler like let him off the hook a couple of times because he didn't want to like dive right into Charles's guard. And Makashev didn't worry about it. He knew he was rocked and he just jumped on him. And Dariush is absolutely capable of the same thing. He's got thunderous power in that overhand left. Um, and that, and, and being a Southpaw striker also, um, sets him, you know, sets him up pretty well. I think Makachev does a lot of his striking from Southpaw as well. Um, hmm. he, how I, quickly I, we I forget. Totally... How quickly we forget. How quickly we forget. Just how good oh, Charles yeah, go Oliveira is. Ah, he's so good. See, he's so we're good. Going, I, we're doing I that thing where we forget. go back. Well, I'm, I'm going to put words in your mouth or I'm going to go through your brain right? yeah, I'm in your head do. right now. And you're eyeballing mm-hmm. the very last performance against with with Islam, which might be one of those talents that is mm-hmm. you know goes through the UFC. I think he's got one defeat, but goes through a, a title run and stays up there for for a long, long time. He's he's like a pound for pound guy. Mm-hmm. So that being said, Dariush is is been chronically underrated, criminally underrated, going into all of his fights. Mm-hmm. I think he was uh, uh, an underdog. Was he underdog against uh, Gamrat? He might have been. I think he was Might against Ferguson. Um, uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira. Man, yeah. Ferguson. Well, dude, Ferguson's been manhandled by everyone since, you know, since the Tony. Apex. Yeah. Basically, that's yeah. when it started. Yeah. Well, UFC 240, UFC 249. Yeah, that's when it all started on the downhill turn for him. So I, this is not to discredit Benil Darius because he's really good. And I, and I am guilty of the exact same thing that the general public is, is that I'm always underrating him and he always ends up winning and he ends up killing all the cards that I throw out there to the, to the people. <laughs> and that's okay. But you know, <clears throat> but that doesn't mean you won't do it again once, right on, now. You, what does it go? Never mind. I'm not going to try it. <laughs> fool me yeah. once. Yeah. Benil. But Shame fool on me you. five times. I don't think the odds are, are against me. I think they're in my favor at this point that I'm going to pull out a one against Benil Dariush because Charles Oliveira, you know, we look at his last three fights, Islam Mahachev, Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier. Now Benil Dariush has fought, you know, uh, Matush Ferguson, uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira, uh, Ferreira, Ferreira, whatever it was, Ferreira. Um, 
there's a massive gap in the talent between those people, right? I mean, Justin or Dustin mm-hmm. Poirier looks like, you know, he could be an, another interim champion. I don't know if he'll ever get through uh, an Islam type guy. Gaethje's, mm-hmm. you know, a perennial contender. And Mahachev might, you know, be one of those, those talents like Khabib moving forward, just like a little bit more reserved personality on him. And that's why I don't think he's got like a huge following like Khabib does. But I think it's mostly state. Yeah, state side at least. So, you know, I think what's going to end up happening is Benil Dariush is he's, he's a slow twitch muscle fiber kind of guy, right? He's got good power, mm-hmm. but he's not real quick. And he's got that suffocating ground game where once you're engaged with him on the ground, he just doesn't let you get up. He wears you out. And it's going to take somebody really, really special to overcome that if he were to get into top position, even even possibly against Oliveira. But I think Oliveira is going to be able to go tip for tat with him on the ground. And even though Darius might, you know, maybe hit harder, I don't think he's got nearly the combinations that Oliveira has. And I don't think he's got that fast twitch muscle fiber. And, 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 you know, even though Oliveira has got that fast twitch style, he doesn't gas out a lot. So he's got good conditioning, good cardio, and both these guys have good condition, good cardio. Uh, and so I just think that the Oliveira has, has got more ways to win right now than Dariush. Sure does. Man, Oliveira is a buzzsaw of forward pressure. Like he is all forward, all kill all the time. Even off his and back. It's even crazy off his back, to watch. Forward. Even off his crazy. back. Well, and, and his, he, he, and all of those, uh, all of those attacks, they're not only like, he's now he's not only always attacking he's always thinking about multiple things like on his back throwing up arm bars you know all these things if he gets that great i don't know if he's ever even i don't know if he's ever gotten an arm bar finish in the ufc but he he like goes for him all the time and he does it to initiate scrambles because that's the how you get that like lead blanket pressure that benil dariush has off of you you don't move him off yourself you force him to move it away mm-hmm. from you by threatening submission chaining by, and chaining him know, together which what she excels mm-hmm. at and and i i watched uh Oliveira against makachev again he didn't do that bad like i think i sort of like wrote it in my head as as like Oliveira got steamrolled and it was hopeless um because that last the finishing sequence was really fast mm-hmm. Um, is the arm triangle, true. right? But in the first round, yeah, it was off of a big yeah. overhand that knocked him down. But the first round, Charles was on the ground um, for a while and like really survived. Like he was moving. He was he was never like trapped like you see one of Islam's opponents mm-hmm. get. Um, he did good against the cage. He was able to wrestle. Um I wonder, I wonder if he, because he says he studies all his own fights. I wonder if Oliveira studied um, the Volkanovsky fight. Well, I'm, I'm sure that he did. But I also, I also think that this is why that there's more hesitation with Oliveira is, is mm-hmm. people are going to look at it because, you know, everyone's looking at the last thing that happened. We have like society sure. ADD. <clears throat> and, we saw Islam 
at times struggle against uh, Alexander Volkanovsky, who's a smaller fighter. And mm-hmm. so now everyone's thinking, well, is Islam really that good if he's, you know, potentially, you know, some people even think he got beat by Volkanovsky. And, you know, if he's not that good, then, and, and he whipped, you know, Oliveira pretty quickly. And, you know, Darius is mm-hmm. chronically under, you know, underappreciated and he keeps destroying everyone's bets. Well, then we're all going to go with Darius. I think that might, might be what's happening right now. I don't think people remember how good Oliveira is just based on the last performance and then some, some plot twist with his fight with Volkanovsky. Yeah. Is that what happened I with get, you? Um, <laughs> you know, well, no, it's just that I'm I kidding just, by the way, you don't have to answer that. I know. Well, it's sort of, but no, I just, it's just because Daryush can put on a, a game plan. So similar to He's a cerebral guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I, this is only a three round fight, which I totally didn't think about. Um, yeah, when was the last time Oliver was in a three if, round fight? Yeah, I don't remember. I wonder if that's gonna like how like how that's gonna affect how Charles chooses to apply his pressure because he has been talking about like like he, and he is giant, dude. He's so free for a for a guy who somehow made featherweight, even though he missed a couple of times. Um, that guy is huge. Uh, and if he's just like bulked up and put on muscle and, and is just trying to go kill, kill, kill for three rounds, I think he could totally do that. Um, man, I wouldn't be surprised to see Oliveira get a really cool finish. I don't know if he's going to get a submission, but, um, Mm. I could see him getting a a TKO. I I think that's the most likely the most likely opportunity for him to win is going to be win via knockout. But that, that that's yeah, a tough uh, one. I, I don't know. I what, So Darius was tapped out by what? Michael Kiesa? Uh, long, long time yeah, ago. Well, he's he, good. He's real good. Yeah. Kiesa's good. Kiesa's big. Um, he's a 70-pounder now or 170-er. Um, but you can, yeah. Uh, Darius does seem to have these sort of like, he's really good, but dang, mm-hmm. you know? kind of moments like um alexander hernandez yeah, yeah. ko'd him like and that, that you know that shouldn't have happened but you know on that happened to islam too islam got ko'd by i don't remember who that was a long Doesn't time matter, really <laughs> yeah sure um it's hard to even remember that it's yeah, hard God. to even put that together that actually happened with islam i yeah. isn't that crazy yeah so anyway that being uh, said uh so you're going to take, are you taking Darius on this? Ah, you know, I want Charles to win. I really do. I just, I just, he gets hit big in every single fight. He really but does. Do you think Darius um, is putting together overhand rights like Gaethje and Poirier and Chandler? Yeah. I. Do you think uh, he's as good as a striker I, I, as those guys? I don't know. I don't know if he's as good of a striker. Um, but he's not a bad no, he's not striker, a bad striker, but his, but, but specifically that overhand left, um, is something that Charles has been, um, susceptible to before. And it's just the thing that Benil's really, really good at. Um, and, and he's, and I think what he has that, um, Charles's last opponents don't ex- with the exception of Makachev is he is 
going to be totally willing to engage Oliveira mm-hmm. on the ground. I don't think he's going to be um, nearly as no. hesitant as as all I, those I think other they're relatively were. even on the ground, except Oliveira's got better chain submissions and and you know more maybe some more activity on the ground, you know to to build out listen some scrambles and then Darius's top controls like really really good, really good. Yeah. I mean, Dario, I mean, his fight against um uh, uh his last one that he just had Matush? against uh Mateusz Gamrot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a lot of scrambles. That was a lot of like weird Granby rolls and and inversions and and all kinds of leg entanglements. I, he does have it in him to do that. I think he was a Nogi World Champion multiple times, um, I believe. Yeah. Dario yeah, at a couple of like all through his his jujitsu career, uh, blue belt, purple belt, brown belt. Um, yeah, no one's arguing that he's not legit. I oh gosh, I do. I you know, sorry, Charles. Um, ah, I think I'm just not ready to be hurt again. See, I feel the same I way about Darius. I think I'm going to go with Darius. I think I'm going to go yeah. with Darius. I'm not okay. happy about it, okay. but I am. All right, I'm taking uh, Oliveira. I, I think he's going to win. Mm, gosh, now that it's only three rounds, I don't think it's going to be TKO. Hmm. I'm going to. I mean, all his last three TKOs were third round or earlier. All his last finishes were. I'm going to go with decision. Yep, decision. Okay. All, all right. right. So the final fight. Nunez, don't even need to say her first name, mm-hmm. the lioness, Irene Aldana. So Aldana, mm-hmm. 35 years old, 14 and 6. Yeah. She's uh, won her last two. Wait, wait, did she lose? How long ago was home? Because she's been pretty inactive lately. Yeah, it's been t- it's been tough. Uh, I think she fought Holly Holm 2019. Yeah, it was a I while ago. Say. I think she took, she took some time off. And yeah. I, th- I think Nunez has been out for a year about now. Nunez? Was that no? Uh, am I, no, am I wrong about that? No, cause, yeah, because she had her rematch against. Oh, no, that was not that long uh, ago. Pena. Yeah, that might have been tw- uh, eighty, like two eighty four. Yeah. Okay, ne- like never that, mind. Maybe. I, normally, mm-hmm. I would be like, "Let's edit that," but whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, welcome to yeah, behind, behind the, the scenes, scenes cage wisdom. Uh, so, and on top of that, we should throw this out there because it's one of my fundamentals. Uh, Irene is a, a late notice, so she got subbed in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This card's so under the radar. I don't even remember who she was going to fight. Because she was going to, it was going to be the, for, the for trilogy Pena again. Because s- somehow Juliana Pena talked herself into a trilogy yeah. fight after getting Molly whopped. You know, and, th- and that was another, got- another one of those situations where everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people were thinking Pena was going to win. Because of the last fight that happened, you know, I got I actually got yeah. a lot of flack on on the uh, on Instagram by people saying like, mm-hmm. you know, you're an idiot. Your your assessment of the last fight and what's going to happen is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and I was just wrote back. I was like, agree to disagree. You, you know, you guys are just looking at what happened last. But there's a lot of things. You know, Nunez had uh-huh. transferred camps. Who was starting her own gym. Uh, there were some things going on behind the scenes, and that, and that's one of the hardest things about this mm-hmm. sport, right? Is they hide their injuries. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, you've got uh, personal problems that that filter in, and it makes you not be able to train as much, mm-hmm. kills your training partners. You maybe your diet gets, you know, messed up with uh, an infection, something like that. 
mm-hmm. and everything gets hidden because the entire card and everyone's paycheck is dependent upon your ability to show up that night. And so, yeah. you know, if Nunez, my take on this because of the fact that Aldana is, you know, she's 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 good, um, good striker. But we've seen Nunez just walk through good strikers before. Uh, was it De Randomy yeah. or what is it? Jermaine Durandamy. Yeah. So that's the Jermaine Durandamy is a really yeah, good striker real good. and big yeah. too. And and that was the fight that I watched. And she got um, um, Nunez got lit up on the feet in that. But you're right, was able to adapt, has so many skills. So I was wondering how good is Arena Aldana's takedown defense? How, Because I always go back to your rules, like who can dictate where this fight takes place? Learning. And I looked at like UFC stats. Arena Aldana has like a 81% takedown defense. And I thought, oh, damn, that's really good. That's really, really high, 81%. And I checked... uh. Holly Holm shot 14 takedowns mm. against her and landed five. Um, so that boosted it way. And then like somebody else shot 11 and landed two. Like, I think it's like one, two or three fights where she was fighting not primarily wrestlers. who yeah. just tried to shoot a bunch of takedowns on her. Yeah. Um, so I don't think I think 81 is actually well, a misleading. And on top of that, I like, mean, let's percentage. just be candid here with the state of women's MMA. There's not a tremendous amount of grapplers that grew up NCAA wrestlers or going to college on a scholarship. It's just a different level of of depth to the talent on the ground from a takedown from a yeah. wrestling perspective, right? I mean, obviously they're, ca- yeah, they're catching not up. There, but there are very few Tatiana very, Suarez's. Very few. Yeah, <laughs> Suarez eyes. Okay. Suarez. Suarez, yes. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. So I think that's a misleading stat. Now, if you're going to go like 155-pound, you know, lightweight men's division, we're talking about guys that have mm-hmm. you know, grown up around it since they were four or five years old, like Gaethje and Chandler and all those guys. Yeah. We just don't have that yet in the women's division. So, okay, she's got good takedown defense. She's a good striker. She's got good power. Um, her last two mm-hmm. wins have been via uh, TKO, but her loss is against a grizzled veteran doesn't hit nearly as hard as Nunez does, doesn't have the ground game that mm-hmm. Nunez does, doesn't have the takedown defense that Nunez does, doesn't have the uh, the resume that Nunez does, doesn't have considered to be the greatest mm-hmm. female fighter of all time that Nunez does. Can you see where I'm taking this right now? It sounds like that you don't think that Arena Aldana is going to win right. this fight. That is what I think is going to happen. <sighs> uh, now I'm yeah. in your brain. Yeah, welcome. It's a scary place. I think that... <laughs> If Nunez shows up motivated and there's not some weird thing going on behind the scenes like there was when she fought Pena, I think this mm-hmm. is going to be an absolute ass kicking. Yeah, I and I think um, I'm not too worried about those like motivation things. I've been listening to her her interviews uh, leading up to this, and she is like, she's talking shit a little bit. Uh, somebody asked her about like you know it, there's like this sentiment going around that it's going to be time for Nunez to retire soon because like what's the point mm-hmm. the, you know at this point like what is there left for her to accomplish um and somebody asked her like uh did you think about retiring um after losing your belt to Juliana Pena and she goes uh no uh i don't mind leaving my belt with you know uh, losing my belt to any you know to the next champion not Juliana. <laughs> I can't leave it to her. And they go, why can't you leave it to her? And she goes, because she's bad. 
<laughs> yeah, tell it like it is. Girl. Yeah. Well, did she say anything? <laughs> so funny. Did she like, say yeah. about uh, Irene? Uh, I, I she didn't say that specifically, uh, but I, I think like I think that means she holds Irene in higher regard. Um, she also didn't lose to but, her. But I mean, she, yeah, but she's, you know, she you could tell she was like that. I was so frustrated because it's obvious how bad like Juliana Payne's striking is 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 not good. I mean, the you like the ESPN has been putting around this gif recently of i think it was the second round of the rematch and juliana pena charges in with the worst punching form i've ever seen in the ufc like shoulders are up by her ears she's crossing her body as she steps forward and totally like drains all of her own power and then nunez like circles off to her right plants her foot and just cracks her um I, I think that really lit a fire under her. Uh, and she said, like, there were mistakes that I made in that, like, leading up to that fight um, that I will never make again. Um, I don't think that um, we need to be worried about Amanda Nunes's motivation. I think we're going to get really, really dangerous Amanda Nunes. Well, and she is. She is going to go for a finish. So, you know, maybe retirement is, is, is up and coming, but. I, I don't mm-hmm. remember a fighter that I can think of that is at the top of their game that's getting near the end, you know, the high 30s, that is mm-hmm. okay to pack it in because of the legacy conversation. You know, yeah. GSP, John Jones, uh, uh, Bisping didn't want to, you know, I mean, he was pretty pissed off after losing yeah. to GSP. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Chuck Liddell, even though he fell off dramatically but people want to go out on a you know they want their legacy to stay intact and mm-hmm. i don't i don't mm-hmm. see that being an issue i just don't i don't know if her motivation is going to keep up because she's got all these other things going on uh you know i think she's building her own gym she might be franchising or something i don't i don't know but uh yeah I, well you know but i i yeah I, i'm not maybe maybe in the future maybe that's the case um, but I'm not worried about no, it. No, I'm not time. worried about I think it. That's not what I'm saying. Is, what I'm saying is yeah. that it's the opposite. I think that she's going to mm-hmm. be motivated and she's going to want to go out on her own terms. Unlike a Chuck That's Liddell. A, oh, you know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Go out like on top. Make yeah, sure that I think the I'm going to remind everybody I think the who Pena I am. made her realize that if she doesn't take all these girls seriously, that there's the opportunity for her to get, get wiped out. And now that she's coming towards the end, she's going to be taking these next – you know, maybe she's got three or four fights left in her. I, I don't know. Maybe she goes late. Mm-hmm. I don't think she needs to. I think she's probably financially pretty well off at this point. Yeah. But mm-hmm. so I'm taking Nunez in a lopsided blowout round three TKO. I'm not going to, I wouldn't put any money on round three, but I'm taking this as an, as, as a, as an absolute lock TKO. Cause what are the odds? Uh-huh. Minus 315 for Nunez and then plus 260. For Aldana, and you remember when she fought Pena and she lost? Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Pena was minus eleven or no plus eleven hundred, I believe. And then the next fight, I think it was similar odds. I think it's actually more skewed than this. I think Nunez was like minus three fifty or something like that. I close to this, mm-hmm. but I don't see it happening now. No chance. Yeah, I think Nunez is. Uh, I didn't even think. I, I I think I'm leaning submission a little bit. Um, I think she's going to soften her up and choke okay. her out. Just stoppage. Uh, but 
fit. Oh yeah, definitely. Without a she, doubt. And and last last time she's saying like I wanted to beat um I wanted to beat Juliana Pena for five rounds, and a lot of the time that's like talk, but. I genuinely believe that Amanda Nunes absolutely could have finished Juliana Pena whenever mm-hmm. she wanted uh, and chose mm-hmm. not to. Yeah. Um, I don't think she's going to make that choice this time. I I'm think she's so glad that go for the kill. Not the, could you imagine if that was the marquee fight on this card? <laughs> Dude, I'm so done with Juliana Pena. I know. I'm, I mean, she's I'm good. So ha- like, I'm happy yeah. for her. I, I get your, get your win. Tell everyone you're the who's champ. The, you are the champ. Good for the you, guy girl. That GSP, I'm done Matt, with, uh, um, Yes, Matt Sarah, Matt Sarah. What, what a king. Yeah. You know, you got to own that moment. Get your 15 minutes in, but that's not coming back around. Holy cow. Not, not for a while. Not with Nunez at the top. So anyway. Yeah. No. Yeah. I so UFC 289, that that's our take on it. I hope you guys take mm-hmm. this advice seriously because this is the way it's going to happen. As long as you don't look at the last couple cards that we did. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we talked about like maybe going back over like, hey, to recap, these were our picks. And then both of us decided yeah. that's probably better that, <laughs> you know, every now and then you, you, you have some errors, <laughs> but I, I don't I don't blame myself fully. So. All right. Well, that being said, appreciate everyone, everyone listening. Uh, we love putting out these podcasts and we're going to diversify a little bit here in the near future. Have some, uh, uh, like I said, some some fighters, some coaches coming on. Uh, hopefully in the not too distant future, but uh, you know, we're really excited about that. And I think that's the direction we're looking to take the podcast is not just picking fights, but also give you some insight into the minds of an MMA fighter into the minds of a coach. You know, how do they prepare these people? These are the questions that I have. And this is what makes me love the sport so much, not just who's going to win, but what makes these people tick because it is such an incredibly difficult sport to get into, to be successful at, to train for, um, so anyway, we're really, really excited about the direction things are going right now. Um, but that being said, hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Um, we'll be recapping I mean, we probably won't recap after this fight, maybe on, on Instagram, but for the next fight, when, when is it? Is that that's late June, right? Three weeks. Yeah, yeah. I believe so. Uh, or near. I, yeah, no, it's in July. I think it's in July. Okay. Well, I got to look at the calendar, mm-hmm. but we'll be back there. Yeah, early uh, for that one. In the meantime, all of our updates and all information will be up on Instagram. Appreciate everyone's time. Enjoyed it. Talk to you soon enough. Over and out.